Welcome to Techno, where Sophos experts debate, explore, explain, and hopefully help you to understand the often baffling world of computer security. Techno is presented by me, Paul Ducklin. And me, Chester Wisniewski. And today's topic is Java. One of the reasons for choosing Java is that we're recording this episode on Friday the 31st of August 2012, which has been a week in which Java has made a lot of security headlines. So Chester, I believe that Java started life in the early 90s as a programming language called Oak, which was named after an oak tree that grew outside the window of the chap who invented it. Uh, It got renamed to Java. It was originally intended for programming white goods, smart appliances like washing machines. It's often confused with JavaScript. So Chester, let's just clear the air before we get going. What's the difference between Java and JavaScript? Kind of almost everything is different between Java and JavaScript other than the first four letters of each word. Uh, You know, the reality is that JavaScript was invented at a time where Java was kind of the really cool thing. If you were being educated in university at that time in in computer science, you were going to be taught Java. Java was the future, you know, write once, run anywhere was the slogan. And the Netscape folks thought that their new scripting language they were going to build into their browser might get a little bit of cachet from uh, being referenced, you know, referencing the word Java. So it simply sounds similar, but is in fact completely different and very definitely not to be confused. Yes, they're completely different. There's no relationship whatsoever and there's, you know, no shared code. They're, they're not similar environments to program in or anything else. They, they just simply happen to use the same naming convention. We know that JavaScript is primarily designed to bring extra funkiness to your browser. What's Java all about? Well, Java is a full-featured programming language, and you know a, a lot of the ideal behind Java, the, the, the concept, was to abstract the hardware that something might be running on and make it so that you can write a single program and have it work anywhere. And while languages like C may be something where there's a C compiler for many different types of processors, it, it, it's not quite as simple as just taking a C program that runs on an Intel chip and having it work on another system. So in Java, you can write one program and there's sign of this abstraction layer that allows that program to run on many different CPU architectures with arguably no change uh, in the code from the programmer's perspective. So Java isn't, contrary to what many people may think today, all about your browser, is it? In fact, pretty much predates or came out at the same time as the browser before browsers were scriptable at all. Absolutely. In fact, one of the first browsers I ever used uh, as, a, as a computer guy back in the early 90s was a browser called Hot Java that was written in Java itself that I, I remember running on my 486DX250. So rather than being something that did funky things inside the browser, it was in fact the implementation language for the browser itself. Not only that, but the funny thing is that browser could not run Java code from the internet the way we expect our browsers to today. Okay, so Java is a programming language and a programming environment and a way of writing applications, but it comes in lots of different flavors and parts, doesn't it? Even though it may be write once, run anywhere, you don't just necessarily download Java. There are all different flavors of it, aren't there? Do you want to tell us what those are about? 
Yeah, Java is unfortunately complicated and can be very confusing for, you know, computer users because most of us are familiar with what you would call the JRE or the Java runtime environment. And that is a virtual machine that is smart enough to understand how to execute Java code on your computer and enable Java programs to run, whether that be independent Java applications, uh, like a regular program that you run on your PC, like a browser or a word processor, or a Java applet, which is what you would expect to perhaps operate inside of your browser that provides a lot more of a rich programming environment for web applications uh, that run inside you know, the browser. What other things are there that you might find on your computer and possibly not know the reason for being there? Well, the other one that you're probably most likely to see or be prompted to get if you were to go looking to install Java on your computer is the JDK. And the JDK is a, the Java development kit. And it's what a person who wanted to write programs that work in Java would need to install on their computer to be able to access all of the different tools needed to create applications in Java. Most people only need the JRE because most of us aren't Java developers. We're not writing programs and doing all this stuff. The JDK includes the JRE, but has a whole bunch of other stuff. And, you know, as we've learned over the years, the more stuff that's on your computer, the more libraries that are there, the more ports that are listening, the more network access you have, the more vulnerable you are. So it's best to choose the least components possible to reduce the risk of exploitation. Tell us what's special about an applet. Applets uh, are programs written in Java, but they're limited in their functionality. The Java runtime environment on your computer, when it's executing an applet, provides special restrictions and sandboxing, as it's called often in security, which is, you know, allowing this thing to only do certain things within its own little world and doesn't allow it to reach outside of that world. So it can't necessarily read and write to arbitrary files on your computer the way a full-fledged Java program on your computer is because you're you know, loading this content from a website that you don't know who put what kind of code on that thing, it's restricted to only do things that make sense within the context of that. So the safety of Java applets inside your browser pretty much depends on that sandbox and that, that little playground for applets being correctly implemented. Absolutely, yeah. The, the sandbox is critical because Java as a programming language can do absolutely anything, right? You can write malware in Java. In fact, we see that in Southwest Labs quite frequently that there's malware that does bad things to your computer written in Java because it's just another programming language like many others. However, Java applets are meant to be safer for you to trust because you're blindly running them. You don't know that you're going to run them. When you run a program on your computer, you double-click an icon because you want it to do something. And in a browser, you don't necessarily know when that's going to happen. So there's some restrictions put in place to protect you. So if those protections fail, Java becomes a vehicle for delivering an arbitrary item of malware onto your computer. That's correct, isn't it? Because if I think of the flashback malware that we saw on Macs in March and April 2012, the malware was written as a regular program for the Mac but its delivery mechanism, if I remember correctly, actually used a Java applet flaw that allowed it to be injected without going through the normal, hey, do you really want to download this warnings? Yeah, absolutely. There was a CVE 2012-0507 that became very famous because of this uh, ability. 
and you know that vulnerability wasn't just used to install flashback on macintoshes that's one of the double-edged sword aspects of java because of a vulnerability in this piece that's plugged into your browser that same vulnerability was used to deliver malicious components to windows and linux users as well so the whole flashback malware story became inextricably interlinked with java because that's the hole that it snuck in through. Absolutely, and, and this is common in malware, which is you're going to look for code that's present on as many devices or computers in the world as possible, find a flaw in that code that allows you to do whatever you want, or what we would call arbitrary code execution, and then you, you know, exploit that and uh, collect your winnings. And a more recent Java vulnerability is CVE 2012 4681, gosh, they're hard to say. That's a similar thing, isn't it, that's been used to deliver malicious code not just onto Apple computers, but also onto Linux, Windows, and even Solaris, is that correct? Yeah, the most recent vulnerability for Java we've seen is uh, impacts all the platforms, and I guess to a degree you could argue that that's both the success and failure of Java, right? I mean, the, it's so consistent with itself that it works on every platform exactly as designed and if there's a flaw in that design then in fact the bad things happen exactly the same on every platform it works on as well and i guess that raises the question chester if applets at least occasionally provide a vehicle for multi-platform attacks and exploitation how many applets are there around that i actually really need to run in other words, do I actually need Java applets? Do you think I could do my job without them? Now, to you know, we don't really need that stuff as much anymore. Our, our browsers have a lot more capability, uh, ironically, because of things like JavaScript. But also, you know, we have things like HTML5 that has the ability to play video and do all these different things that we love to do on the web. But it's not very common, and most people don't need it. Let's say I wanted to make an informed decision to turn it off. How would I judge in advance what effect that might have on my ability to work and have fun online? Well, there's a couple answers to that. I mean, one is simply remove it from your computer. Uh, if you remove it on most platforms, when you go to a site that says that it requires Java for something, you'll get a box that pops up saying, you don't have Java installed, click here to install it. And then you're you know, aware of the problem. Now, Chester, you're suggesting removing Java entirely. There's a middle ground, isn't there? Disabling Java in your browser is a great start. I mean, most of the risky things you're going to run into are that very case of you don't know who's running a website or who may have compromised it and put booby-trapped code on there. There are also some other routes you can take, uh, other middle grounds, if you will, such as telling your browser to not run Java by default, to provide you with a prompt saying this site would like to run Java. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, why is this random website I'm going to asking me to run a program? So in other words, what you're saying is you have Java applet support halfway turned on, but if you hit an applet that you weren't expecting, you'll get a warning which at least gives you a chance to shy away from it. Yeah, I, I think of it a lot like I think of the certificate warnings you get in a browser, except it happens every time in the case of Java. Firefox and Opera offer an option called Click to Play, and there are plugins and extensions available for other browsers like IE and Chrome that give similar functionality. But Firefox and Opera offer it by default. Every time you run across a site that wants to run Java, wants to run Flash, wants to load a PDF file, 
it prompts you with a little thing going, hmm, this site's trying to load a PDF. Do you want to view it? This site's trying to run a Java program. Do you want to allow that program to run? So for example, if I'm going to a newspaper website and I go to the crossword page and it says, hey, to do the crossword, it's going to be a Java applet, then I'd note that it's probably okay to say yes. But if I've got an applet I wasn't expecting that is in fact designed to subvert security and not present me with a warning later when it's putting malware on my computer, I'll actually get a pop-up which will let me head it off at the pass. Exactly. And there are you know, plenty of times most of us have the judgment to see the difference between when we expect something like that to happen when we don't. And whenever we're not sure, we need to get in the habit of saying no rather than yes. And if we do that, we're all a lot safer for it. It does seem a bit of an irony that for Chrome and for Internet Explorer, you actually have to install a plugin that gives you warnings about whether you want to use some other plugin on your system. Do you think that Microsoft and Google should consider this click-to-play feature in their own browsers? The Opera fanboys may uh, be proud that they, they've had this for quite some time, but Firefox introduced it uh, in mid-2012, and I would hope and expect to see the other vendors come along as well. And there, there seems to be a competition amongst browser vendors to provide security features, knowing that people are concerned about the security online, and hopefully that will drive uh, the big Microsoft and the Goog to, to step up to the plate and offer similar features. Chester, I think that sounds like a bit of a challenge to Microsoft and Google and probably a good place on which to end. So as usual, I'm going to try and summarize. Tell me whether I've understood correctly. Step one with respect to Java, given that it can bring some significant risks to drive-by or unexpected malware infection on your computer, step one is can you remove it entirely? In other words, do you need it at all? And if you don't, you may as well get rid of the whole thing. Step two is if you do need Java, then you're faced with a decision, do you need the runtime environment or the development kit? And if you're not going to write Java programs, just take the runtime environment. How am I doing so far? Excellent. Okay, so if I've got Java and I've got my runtime environment, the next thing I need to do is decide whether I actually need Java enabled in my browser, which is where the main element of risk exists because of untrusted applets coming from dodgy websites trying to exploit a vulnerability in the Java plugin or the, the Java runtime. Have I got that bit right? Yes. And if you do have Java enabled inside your browser, Use the feature in your browser or get a plugin that helps you do it if you have IE or Chrome that implements what we're calling click-to-play. In other words, that doesn't just let any applet run. It gives you a little bit of a heads-up to say, hey, this site is actually trying to put code into the Java plugin and run it, and then you can make an informed decision on whether that's risky or not. Yeah, and I think that it's important to note that that's not just a Java thing, right? That's for anything that's going to run stuff outside of your browser. And, you know, if you get a PDF document when you're not expecting it, you shouldn't want that to automatically load inside your browser because that could be malicious. No different than a Flash document or any other kind of thing that inserts itself into your browser. And that's the great thing about features like that is you can say stuff that's not vetted by my browser vendor always prompt me and let me know so I can make an informed decision. And if you're not sure, the answer is no. Chester, I'm going to stop right there. If you're not sure, the answer's no. Very well said. So that concludes this techno. 
about all things Java. If you enjoyed it, you can find many more podcasts at podcasts.sophos.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay secure.